0: Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest, Jay Billis of ESPN, has probably been joining us for 20 years. I think he's going to tell us we should add him to the payroll because of that. Actually, come to think of it, I shouldn't have mentioned that. No, this is the first time Jay is rejoining us After a multi-generational Billis experience, Wake Forest basketball player Anthony Billis, son of Jay, joined us recently and said, among other things, that it was Dick Vitale that he lists as his favorite college basketball broadcaster. Jay Billis, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Does Anthony still get home-cooked meals and, you know, laundry if he comes home after that Dickie V barb? That's up to his mother, really. I don't have any contact with him anymore. (laughs) He's dead to you then. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right, on to the big bracket. Uh, I saw you tweet about this. Wait a minute for those one-and-done naysayers with Duke and Kentucky out of this year's bracket. Uh, Duke and Kentucky in their one-and-done eras are still winning at or above the levels of all of those non-one-and-done programs, right? Is that your bottom line with that?
1: Well, yeah, it's just sort of, you know, you know how it is, David. Whenever uh, Kentucky or Duke loses, the, the narrative and yes. or agenda is immediately, well, that proves it. you can't win with one-and-done players. And you're like, look, you know, first of all, if you're going to compare and say, well, experienced teams win, well, duh, uh, you know, it, it, of course they do, but that's, but that's taking Duke and Kentucky against the field. Of course, the field is going to do <laughs> as well, if not better than those two. Um, but when you say they can't win, that, that one and duns don't win. Well, they won in 2012 and they won in 2015. So clearly they can win championships and Calipari and Shashevsky have been the most successful in the tournament uh, of anybody since 2010 when Calipari got to, uh, got to Kentucky and, and he's been doing the one and done thing longer than coach K has. And I'm not advocating everybody go that way. Cause you can't, um, but the idea, you know, not everybody can do that. There are really only two programs that are doing, it. but, but the idea somehow that, that, you know, those teams can't win is ludicrous. And especially in this sort of one and out tournament, which has never sort of never produced consistently the best team winning it's it's a it's a a great way to to find a champion but it's not the best way to find the best team and and that's that's okay i'm not arguing that one team's the best team over another but but it's just sort of against the narrative that they told you you know can't win with younger players that that makes zero sense and it's been proven false, but it's a it's a narrative that comes out whenever Duke or Kentucky loses.
0: Jay Billis with us on Twitter. He is at Jay Billis. A lot of fun there. Of course, catch him everywhere on all of ESPN's platforms as March Madness continues. Duke and Carolina were one and two in your Sweet 16 power rankings for a lot of understandable reasons, and yet they have both been sent home. When you look at either of those losses uh, and take them separately if you want – uh, was it more that we got beat by a hot team and there wasn't much more we could have done or is there a lot of I wish I had that possession back type stuff going on for either the devils or the heels?
1: Well I think for Carolina it was the former that they they got beat by a team that played extraordinarily well and Carolina played poorly now auburn did Auburn have something to do with that Of course they did but uh, but you know I think if that team if they were to play, a seven-game series, I think Carolina wins. Uh, but you know, the, Auburn again shot it extraordinarily well, and uh, and Carolina did not did not you know finish plays. They took a lot of, I thought, ill-advised jumpers, and uh, and didn't make uh, Auburn guard them. Uh, but you know that that has happened in North Carolina throughout the season at different points in the year. It hadn't happened in quite some time. Uh, but Auburn's good. You know, they're a good team, and, and Carolina got beat. Uh, Duke got beat by a good team as well in Michigan State. Um, but it was, it was more Duke's inability. Like, I, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, just proves their half court offense wasn't very good. Well, their half court offense wasn't great, absolutely. But it wasn't great all It's never been great this year. The, the, the issue was Duke's been able to get out and transition and force uh, turnovers, and their defense was always really good. And their defense wasn't as good. It was handled by Michigan State. You know, Duke screwed up a bunch of switches. Um, they got caught napping on after timeout uh, plays. Um, and they wound up, they weren't able to turn uh, Michigan State over at all. And Michigan State's a team that's, that's been turning it over a fair amount during the course of the year. I think their turnover rate was 19, 20 percent, one out of five possessions. They turned it over seven times against Duke. And, uh, and they played really well. And still, it's a one-possession game. So, you know, for the naysayers, and I get it. Look, I I, I understand it. I understand people rooting against Duke. That's fine. I have zero problem with that. But sort of the objective um, uh, sort of evaluation of the team, uh, look at the Final Four. I mean, Duke beat three of the four, and and Michigan State beat them by a point. So, I mean, the idea that they weren't, you know, good enough or, or that, boy, this proves they weren't championship worthy, I don't buy that for one second. They got clipped. And, uh, and all hail to Michigan State because they were terrific um, but the idea that that's still not uh, if not the best team one of the two or three best teams I think is a, is a stretch.
0: Jay Billis joining us on the David Glenn Show from ESPN you have been in those huddles with Mike Shashevsky as a Duke player you've been in those huddles as a Duke assistant coach when people dissect, you know, hey, R.J. didn't get the ball to Zion enough at the end of the Gonzaga game and the Devils lost. R.J. didn't get the ball to Zion enough at the end of the Michigan State game and the Devils lost. How do those conversations go in the huddle uh, in terms of, you know, just making sure that a Zion Williamson gets more touches down the stretch?
1: Yeah, I mean, they have certain things, certain actions they design. Duke doesn't run a lot of set plays. It's more action. And, and at the start of the year, they were a team that, that felt like they could, you know, sort of play positionalists and, and have uh, a lot of motion principles where they're just making reads rather than running set plays. You know, frankly, Michigan State's more of a set play offense. You know, they, they run a lot of sets. And then if things break down, they can go to a you know, high middle ball screen and, and let Cassius Winston go to work. Um, Duke wasn't that kind of team. And uh, they did a lot to put the ball into the hands of R.J. Barrett and Williamson uh, so they get to their left hands and, and all that. Um, and I, I saw the stat that somebody put out about, you know, in the last uh, couple minutes of the close games, you know, Barrett was 0 for 9 and Williamson 0 for 1 and this guy 0 for 1, that guy 0 for 1, stuff like that. They hadn't been in that many where they had lost. But, uh, but those, are, those are fair points. Um, I do think Williamson should have touched it more at the end of the game. Uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna get beat, I'd rather get beat with the ball in his hands. But look what had to happen for them to lose. I mean, even even with the uh, you know the after timeout play where where Goins hit that three, which was well designed play by Tom Izzo, and and you know again Duke missed the switch. Um, uh, after that play, Barrett you know Barrett Barrett got fouled. Uh, so he's got a he's got a chance to uh, to tie the game at the free throw line. Missed the first one, and oddly enough, tried to miss the second one. So they get the rebound, get a tap out, something like that, and they wind up. Uh, he winds up making the shot, and and so by you know they, then they wound up getting getting hurt by the fact that they had a bunch of fouls to give. You know, so it's just one of those one of those weird endings to a game where. You know, could that at a one-point game? Could that have gone? Absolutely, that could have gone either way. So could Virginia Tech. So could UCF. Uh, the games that Duke played. But the last thing, Dave, is it's really interesting to me how, for some reason, of late in the last few years, there seems to be a, a lot of people that that seem to think that these games should be blowouts. And I'm like, when have we ever had that? Like, I was an assistant at Duke in the '90s when. I mean, every game we see we, we played in the tournament was close. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, like the, the great team that, that Coach K had in 92 that had Leitner and Hill and Hurley and uh, Thomas Hill and all that stuff. I mean, heck, a, a team nowhere near as ta- – Kentucky team nowhere near as talented had Duke beat. It took something extraordinary, kind of like that happened in the Virginia-Purdue uh, game for, for Duke to advance. So, uh, you know, the idea that you're not going to have close games in the tournament is kind of laughable.
0: I agree totally. I remember in 93, Carolina had to beat Cincinnati in overtime, right? And those back-to-back Duke teams had some nail biters as well. It's just the nature of March Madness, and it has been for a long time. I have loved your perspective on Zion Williamson all season long from, hey, this guy has earned the extreme level of coverage that not just ESPN, but others have given him. I think that's right on. Uh, and that there's really no great player comparison. So let's stop with that. So I'll ask you one more Zion perspective question. Uh, I saw you have Christian Laettner in one elite place in Duke basketball history, Grant Hill in another elite place in Duke basketball history. And I imagine when it comes to freshman seasons, at least, you know Zion even as a one-year player, can claim another if if you could just kind of summarize Leitner, Hill and Zion, you know, each each having their own niche in the history of Duke basketball.
1: Yeah, Zion's the best freshman Duke's ever had. It's not close, and uh, and the things that he's done are, are are incredible. But I was asked, you know, is he the best? Is he the best Duke player ever? And you know, it, and you take it away from just sort of the years of service type thing. You know, no one year player could be the greatest. Well, of course they can. Um, but I, I, I think Grant Hill is the best player Duke's ever had, and I think if you go back and look at not only his record as a player at Duke and, and what he accomplished there, but what he, what he did afterwards, it, it's really clear. Like his first six, seven years in the NBA before he was injured, uh, only guys like uh, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Jerry West, Oscar Robertson, uh, a very, very uh, uh, short list, and LeBron a very short list of players accomplished what he did from a scoring, rebounding, assist, and steals perspective. Um, his numbers were historic and Hall of Fame caliber, and it just so happens he made the Hall of Fame last year. If he had not been injured, uh, I think we'd be talking about Grant Hill as one of the top five, top ten players to ever play. I, I really believe that. Uh, and I think he proved it. He was basically Sandy Koufax uh, of, of uh, yep. the NBA. Uh, and Koufax was the best for you know, six, seven years before he hurt his arm and was out. It wasn't a, a long, a super long career. Uh, Grant had both. He had longevity when he probably should have quit, given all the, uh, the injuries he had and, and injuries that were, that were, one, was life-threatening, almost killed him uh, with that, that uh, staff infection. And then, uh, and, but to put up the numbers he did before he was injured, it's pretty clear that, that you know, he was a, an all-time great in the NBA but um but I, I you know it's not to dismiss Leighton. I mean you're, you're talking about great play Jay Williams you name it you have yeah so many great players Johnny Dawkins but but I would put I would put Grant Hill number one
0: you've been on Virginia and Michigan State really all season long if I remember correctly as two of the very best teams in the country and here they are two of the four still standing uh does anthony has anthony given you permission to give your final four picks are you are you ready to uh you're going to stay on the spartans and cavaliers bandwagon in the final four
1: yeah i think it'll be michigan state and uh in virginia in the title game and i think michigan state because of their rebounding that's going to be that that should be the difference they've beaten virginia before because of rebounding but you know i can see a scenario where uh uh where tony bennett decides to go with his big lineup again um you know, I, I think it, again the game against Purdue, you saw that he can play Diakite and Salt at the same time and have it be really effective. And you know, those are those are tremendous, uh, uh, really good big guys as far as the, their activity level, setting screens, rebounding, and Diakite has improved uh, immeasurably in the last last two or three months with with his athleticism. And uh, I think they're very very good. But you know, I didn't think Michigan State was going to beat Duke. So I didn't think they'd be in the final four. I thought Virginia would be there, but that's the only one out of the four picks that I got right. Uh, heck, I had uh, I had Carolina advancing there, and they obviously got beat. Uh, so. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't take too much stock in my predictions right now. They haven't been very good this year.
0: <laughs> You're a heck of a slouch, Jay Billis of ESPN on Twitter at Jay Billis. As always, thank you for the time really all year long. We had a lot of fun going multi-generational with Anthony when he dropped by recently, so we hope you guys can patch patch things up and get back to being that great father-son combination.
1: I have no idea who you're talking about. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm that far down his list, he's far down mine.
0: <laughs> Take care, Jay. Always Thank a lot you, of David. fun. You got it.